What's up, everyone? You're tuning in to episode 220 right here on RNFM Radio. You must know it's RNFM Radio. You subscribe to the podcast, right? You do, don't you? You didn't just trip into this show. And if you did, be sure to subscribe. You can find more at rnfmradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. There's some blog posts over there. There's a lot happening. Anywhere at RNFM Radio, you can find us. Because if you've got the questions, we have got some answers. And we have answers from ourselves, the co-hosts here, and of course the guests. We do have a guest today on episode 220. We're going to blow this one out. But before we do, we have got to thank today's sponsor. And that is, who is, American Sentinel University. Do you know that they have classes that are 100% online, giving you that flexibility? you got to fit those studies in, right, around your, your work, your playtime, your family obligations. Wait, did I just say playtime? If if a few of you folks actually have some playtime in there, well, hey, that's great, and I hope that you can continue to do that. And if you are looking to expand your reach and extend your knowledge or extend your reach and expand your knowledge, that is, listen, American Sentinel University is really making it easy for those RNs who are looking to get that BSN and for those... BSNs that would like a graduate degree, would like to get an MSN or a DNP. You can find out more at rnfmeducation.com. Anyway, let's get into this one because we do. We, we've got a guest waiting and I can't just keep running off here and let them hold anymore because they have got to start saying what they have to say. Actually, you know what? This is in post-production because they're gone. We've already interviewed them. It's and it was wonderful. It was it was just great and we hope that you find this helpful and what we want to do is thank you pre thank you. Just pre cue you here for a thank you for your time and attention on this one. This one is a goodie and we hope that you feel that way. So rnfmradio.com forward slash episode two twenty is where you're gonna find information about this one. Let's get into it. All right. Cool. Well, today we're actually interviewing a guest for our once a month guest spot here on RNFM. And today is Jay Stephen Levin, who I had the pleasure of meeting at the National Nurses and Business Association Conference in Las Vegas last year, 2015. And we'll see him again in not long from now in Las Vegas once again. So his bio is quite interesting, and he is a fascinating man I've had quite a bit of interaction with over the last year, much to my delight. So from a forest monastery to corporate boardrooms, Jay has worked worldwide to accelerate measurable personal, executive, and organizational performance improvement and success. As an executive and EQ coach, he has personally coached over 15,000 professionals. As a media, marketing, and advertising president and COO and vice president, Jay has worked with many of the most powerful media, consumer, tech, and logistics brands on the planet. As a former Vistage chair, we'll have to find out what that is, Jay understands the issues business owners face on their path to success. His tools include powerful behavioral, motivational, skill, acumen, stress, and EQ assessments, some of which I've taken and are pretty powerful, I have to tell you, 360 feedback surveys, job benchmarking, talent to job mapping, leadership development, and succession planning. Jay works with high achievers, like those of us at RNFM Radio, which he calls activist leaders across 19 distinct areas of intelligence to bring about better-than-desired incomes. You can find him at jstevenlevin.com and 
Jay Levin, welcome to RNFM Radio. Thank you very much. You sound like you could be a professional radio voice. Did you two hear that? We did. We did. <laughs> he's been doing this for at least a couple of days now. He knows what I he's know. doing. But I detected that he almost, uh, maybe I didn't hear it right, but he almost, I thought, made the same kind of introduction mistake, which actually got me a real warm response from the last audience I addressed, which was Indianapolis, when he's, when the announcer said from Forest Monitor, monastery to corporate bedrooms that's and right i thought you know what you, hmm. you can't create more mystery than that that yes. would keep me on the edge of my seat because i would want to have that <laughs> distilled down a little bit more yes. clarified corporate bedrooms and forest <laughs> monasteries hmm interesting well jay it's great to have you here elizabeth's here with us too and first Let's just dispel some of the mystery very briefly because we really want to get to the meat of the matter, meat of the matter. Tell us about the monastery, can you? Yeah, the monastery was in the forest. It was uh, above 3,000 feet in the beautiful Sierra Nevada foothills of Northern California. And it was <clears throat> rudimentary and simple to say the least. Imagine a culture that thrived on simplicity, honesty, and cooperation. And there you really have it. Sounds I, like it, modern medicine. Exactly. Ex <laughs> I never put the two together like that. I was actually joking, but that's okay. <laughs> no, this existed on 650 acres within a, uh, a valley. It was absolutely gorgeous. It operated like a village a cooperative village. And from there, I spent 20 years traveling around the world and then moved out of that environment into a culture that was completely at the other end of the behavioral spectrum, which was not based on cooperation, rather based on competition and ruthless competition, not based on simplicity, based on deceit and complexity. And where people, instead of building each other up, tore each other down for perceived personal advantage. So I got both ends of the spectrum. Uh, it was quite an interesting view. Wow. Well, Jay, I'll just tell Kevin and Elizabeth and also the listeners that I've worked with you over the last year since we met at the NNBA 2015. And I've done some of your behavioral and motivational assessments, and you've done them for some of my coaching clients too. And there's some pretty brilliant information that can be distilled from these sorts of assessments for professionals like us and also for executives and other people and also for teams. And there, there's a lot of value in what you do. And I'm curious about how you want to approach it, let's say from the point of view, let's say first from entrepreneurial success, because the three of us are entrepreneurs and some of our listeners are entrepreneurs. Some of them are not. Some of them are clinical nurses and other types of nurses with boots on the ground. So tell us a little bit about that behavior motivator stuff just to get us started briefly. Yeah. Um, there are I think it all centers around an irony. 
that is one of the most stunning. And I love irony because they're so rich and tasty. And the irony that I want to focus on here is we live in an era, we live in a time of unprecedented richness in terms of access to information. But yet, individually, we're feedback poor. And assessments help to be able to give us a source of that feedback. We live in another irony. Uh, We live in a time of unparalleled, unprecedented, unimagined, unimagined connectivity. But the very connectivity that we rely on and in many cases are addicted to disconnects us from who we really are. And so the assessments look at how we do what we do or our behaviors, why we do what we do, what are our driving forces that move us to do what we do, the what we do, which is the skills that we bring to whatever we do, as well as the acumens or our can-do capacity. What do we have the capacity to understand? What is our clarity around understanding others? Practical thinking, systems judgment. What is our capacity for understanding our role, awareness, and the very different roles and many roles that we have in, in our world and the world around us? So without some assessment, even the best intentioned relationships can't give us the kind of radial feedback that our own responses can give us. So regardless of what assessment and who the provider is, given that it has integrity, some do, many do, not all do, um, assessments are the source of our being unable to understand how we respond, how we perceive people, and how other people perceive us. Wow. Go ahead, Kev. Yeah, well, you know, Jay, I wanted to to kind of build on this when when you're talking about our, you know, obviously our access to information, but that we are feedback poor. Now, do you think some of this is also a generational thing as well? Because like when I look at the sort of the younger generation uh, in my company that I employ, and then even my kids, like the I generation, you know, is does that have some play in there as far as you know, when, when we assess or analyze this, uh, when it comes to this information, because, you know, I really look at, you know, are like even my kids or this younger generation, are they able to, you know, use this information in a way that they, they could provide some feedback, they could answer their own questions, they, they could develop an opinion, um, they could critically think about this, because that's just the way that they gain access to that information versus someone like me who is a Gen Xer, I'm kind of stuck in between when actually talking to real, you know, actual bodies, people uh, having deeper conversations uh, with someone versus now I also have to have this hybrid approach to be able to have those deeper conversations. I have that skill set, but I also have to have a skill set to be able to communicate effectively uh, to a generation that may communicate in in a much different way uh, than I grew up. And yeah, Kevin, I've never heard that approach, but I think you're on to something. I think how we process information can be generational and how um, entitled we feel can be more in, can be stronger depending on age and generation. 
primarily, though, it has to do with and breaks down to me cross-generationally. Let's find a common denominator if we can. But I think there's a lot to that, and it's the first time I've never been I've ever been asked that. Darn good question. Uh, Kevin but, has that effect on people. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's a good study. I'm going to look into it, but I think it really comes down to: Do we have the courage to ask as much as to tell? And um, what are how are we positioned, and how open are we to be able to ask feedback of others, and be able to use it in a way? that takes us closer to our goals. And the idea of vulnerability, depending upon whom you speak to, is a good thing in leadership or it's a bad thing in leadership. I think the more entitled we are, the more we think we know. But interestingly enough, Kevin, across generations, when I ask people, how do you know, I hear pauses and they say, well, I just know. Well, how do you know what you know? And if you're not, if you don't have some feedback source, whether it's an assessment that's based on your responses, or whether it's other people that feel honest enough and that you're open enough, and we're open enough to be able to give you the feedback, we're going to think we know, but we're not really going to know. We're going to think we know how we're perceived by others, but we haven't thought through if someone exists on the other let's say, spectrum of behavior, how their bias is maybe affecting how we're perceived. So Mm -hmm. we bring bias, they bring bias. We're perceived by others based on our actions and their biases. But for the most part, we don't have a clue because it's not an area we are accessing. We're interested in processing information, but it's not facing ourselves. It's facing data and facts. Right. Well, and, and access to information doesn't necessarily equate to having knowledge necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of information that's a good out point. there. There's a lot good of information. Point. So Yeah, I, I think it's I think that's a critical distinction. Um I wouldn't want to go bowling with you. Um you got one strike after another here, Kevin. But yes. Um, <laughs> you have bowled with me. No, no. Actually I'm the opposite. I, I cannot I can barely get a strike. I we'll, think we'll I can go bowling in Las Vegas. No, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go all have a drink and go bowling in Vegas. We'll go but bowling in Las Vegas. Jay, but Jay, I, 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 wanted... I I just want to agree here sure. that if if listeners, if we think access to information translates into knowledge and knowing, we really need more feedback than we think we need. Mm-hmm. And Jay, that's a good point. Speaking of feedback, I'm looking at the assessment that you did for me. I answered a bunch of questions in an online assessment that I took through you, and it printed out this, gosh, 30, 40-page assessment of me. And I have to say, it is so accurate, it's frightening. And one of the major takeaways for me as a nurse entrepreneur, as a business person, but also as a nurse, because I supervise a lot of people at my job, like Kevin does at his job. And one thing I learned about myself is that I have a very particular way of communicating and and giving information. And I hear things in certain ways filtered through the way that I've always behaved and what my basic motivations are for doing what I do. What I've learned from you is that, or relearned from you, there are other types of people who think and perceive and communicate in 
and receive information in different ways. And as a boss, because I am a boss, and also as a business person interacting with my customers or clients and also with patients, I can consciously change the way I speak and the words that I choose and the way that I communicate in order for other people who communicate differently from me to actually more accurately hear what I'm saying. And I have to say, and I'm sure Kevin Elizabeth can relate to this, that my ability to be able to relate like that to my clients, my customers, my patients, my direct reports has changed some of my relationships and changed the way I'm able to get my point across. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. What are you saying, Keith? Uh, <laughs> I talk much better now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. All right. I just wanted to clarify that. You wanted me to distill that down to five words. Right? Further, f- further, yes. Clear as mud here. Clear as mud. Yes, I, but, I can see but, everything. But it, it, it's true. Mo- most of us, m- most of us, again, we, we, we think we know. We, one of the, one of the favorite expressions, kind of like a mantra for me is, we see who we are, not what is. So what, what Keith is talking about is, the capacity to adapt behavior leads to more accurate communication, which leads to greater probability of success. And unless we adapt our behavior and understand that we are agile and flexible, then we're going to continually fall into the trap of blaming other people for not understanding ourselves when we're not constructing any kind of bridging to be understood by others. So uh, it, 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 Keith represents a, fen- a fundamental paradigm difference of understanding from mm-hmm. people who think I want to be under I want to be understood. Keith is saying I want to understand. I said that. You're sure? I guess I did. Yeah, right. in, be- in between yes. the bo- in between you're getting up and bowling a strike and Kevin's bowling a strike. I see. Well, I want to ask Elizabeth a question, bring her in a conversation. Ms. Elizabeth, you there? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you work at Hopkins. You work at a really big organization. We all know it's enormous and you do research. So can you relate to this in terms of, say, the teams you work on, the people you work with, and maybe the ways people do and don't communicate and get their point across? Because you're not working in a vacuum, right? You're working with probably with lots of people, right? Sure. I mean, I was going to ask, Jay, you know, for a practical example that the listeners could take away, because in nursing, we have to do um, personnel, you know, employee assessments, we have to give each other feedback. And so it's not always comfortable. It's not always proactive. It's typically sort of behind the way and not to the person's face. So I'm curious how these tools or, or these assessments, or can you speak to how someone in a setting such as what Keith just described can uh, use this at work? Because nurses are notorious for being uncomfortable around giving feedback, especially proactive and honest feedback. So, right, but they, t- are, they are very comfortable in being able to monitor health. And they have dashboards that are very accurate to be able to monitor health. They just haven't found or maybe perhaps not thought about or don't, may not know about what kind of dashboards and monitoring 
can reflect and assess the health of our and quality of our and vitality of our communication. So, for example, people solve problems and respond to problems in different ways. Somebody who's aggressive may not have as good, he may have or she may have better problem solving than someone who is more passive. It does How we respond to a problem doesn't necess- necessarily mean that we respond better, but people often make assumptions about how passive or aggressive we are that we are better or worse problem solvers. Another thing that I see across teams all the time is simply an affirmation of what we all know, speed kills. And the ways that many expect processing of information to occur, deadlines to collapse, multitasking to happen, um, how much time it must take according to them to make a decision, those rhythms, when not understood, can derail trains off a track and I see it all the time. People who have are more responsible for quality control, others who are more responsible for um, <clears throat> marketing, those that are responsible for data analysis, those that are responsible for problem solving through people. All of these different team components have different expectations on how fast or slow something can happen. And intolerance around how long it takes, breaks down trust, erodes uh, faith, and tarnishes engagement. When I have an expectation that you're not doing your job because you're not delivering it as fast as, as I want it, then I lose sight of what you need to accurately process information. So that's why I say speed kills. Without understanding processing, without understanding ways that other people respond to rules and procedures, some are high risk, some are low risk. Some rely on structure, some rebel against structure. Every dichotomy is an opportunity to create biases and judgment and impact the way we communicate, all because we respond to people, problems, pace, and processes differently. Mm-hmm. Understanding how others respond, adapting communication engages. Well, so, it, well, no, I was going to say, like, you could, you could break this down into like hard science versus soft science. And the soft science is more the emotional aspects uh, that, you know, the EQ here, uh, you know, into, into Elizabeth's point is that so, and to your point too, Jay, to, be, to build on that, like, so as a nurse, let's say that we are in the clinical setting and we're working in that hard science uh, space of, getting numbers within a certain parameter, whether that be a blood pressure, a heart rate, some, some diagnostic criteria that we are trying to uh, move that needle up or down, however it is, we definitely have the resources to do that, the medications, the intervention. But when it, and, and what we want to do is we ultimately want the best for the patient. We want the best outcomes for the patient. The way that I would preface this as far as like, you know, that feedback loop in regards to my co my colleagues, my coworkers giving that feedback, I mean, I still see that as as a way that I want the best for them. That's how that's why I always preface, you know, before I would give feedback or before I would kind of break things down for them, because I want them to be better. And that's kind of how I approach that conversation is that, 
you know, and again, maybe being a softer science or more of emotional intelligence and even self-awareness, because I think self-awareness is very hard to teach uh, based on, you know, kind of what you're saying. There's a lot of people who like to talk, uh, but but are not very active listeners. And and really, they th- they have this idea of who they are, but not really what people perceive them as. So, you know, I'm, I'm always prefacing that, listen, you know, before we kind of get into this conversation, let, let me first say that I want you to be the best you that I see that is your full potential. And so this is why, you know, and then we kind of go down that conversation or that path of, so these are some things that I'm seeing. And I think that these are some ways that you may be able to pivot or adjust or, or whatever to have some kind of self-improvement. So, I mean, and I don't know if I just totally muddied the waters again uh, or even no, further, not or at all. even answer that. Not but, at all. Yeah. I mean, th- there's that approach. There's the approach which is, uh, Jay. Given our situation, what would you like to see that you're not seeing? Given our uh, last performance review, what's working and what's not working? Given how we're interacting, what could I be doing more of? What could I be doing less of? In reality, I think it all comes down to. We are and we serve. We are servant leaders, regardless of our titles. And it really comes down to understanding that real leaders understand what great waiters know. And that is, they're going to ask you how you want your burger. They're not going to assume because they like it rare you do. So they're going to say, how would you like me to serve you that? Right. Uh, we just don't ask those kinds of questions, but we expect to be asked those kinds of questions by the people that serve us when we go out to restaurants or they don't get great tips. That's a really interesting point, Jay. I've never heard you put it that way before. And I used to be a waiter, so I'm going to chew on that for a while. <laughs> oh, wait, I thought waiters aren't supposed to eat during the shift. Well, oh, no. You, well, you eat in the break room where you know, go in one of those, you know, where the bus people hang sure. out and you, you know, you chew on something for but, a while. But, well, you know, yeah. here's the thing though. I, I never I think... ate off of plates. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to eat that. So yeah. it's also too, I think maybe in leadership, when we talk about hierarchy too, we may even get further from that approach because, you know, I've, I've really kind of switched things in my own company where I don't want a top down mentality. I really want to figure out a way to meet in the middle. And I, so it's like a bottom up versus a top down. And, you know, we kind of meet in the middle because I know at my level as CEO and owner of the company that I have a much different viewpoint of everything going on. Yet, let's say that I think, OK, this particular whatever it is, I think is going to be great for the business. Yet, I don't know if it's going to be great for the employees, you know, because I need that feedback loop from them because, again, I'm in a different space. So it's not necessarily you know, a singular, you know, one is going to be good for the other. So like, if it's good for the business, it must be good for the employees. Or if it's good for the employees, it must be good for the business. So I need to actually get that feedback. I need that information uh, for, you know, not only from what I'm thinking, but also from them as well. So I can't assume that, oh my gosh, everybody is going to love this because I really love it. So to your point, you know, I love my burger, like medium rare, so you're going to love it medium rare. It's just going to be so much you know, moist and, you know, the flavor is not going to be cooked out of it. You know, all these things, you know, so I make these assumptions. Uh, but again, you know, I, I did like that analogy as well because, you, you know, I think making those assumptions can be fairly dangerous uh, in certain situations. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then, so you don't ask 
how those you're serving would like to be served. And then you carry a chip on your shoulders because what's up with them that they don't understand my role that I don't get the tips I deserve? And what's wrong with them? And and so you bring this third irony into play when you talk and you use the word need three times, that the more successful we are, the more control we have. The more control we have, the more power we have. The more powerful we become, the more control we have. Ironically, the more we need others for our success than they need us. Mm-hmm. And you're voicing an example that you need the radial intelligence of the people around you to be able to validate the right direction. But that's that's unfortunately a minority. Most leaders don't understand the intellectual capacity of the people on their team. And they tell more than ask. They minimize rather than optimize. And the reality is that they are shutting themselves off and isolating themselves because of their bias as we come full circle to less understanding as to what's right for the business or what's right for the group or what's right for the team simply because they don't understand what they have before them and they bring what they see not what is which is they choose not to affirm, understand, grow, and expand the intelligence of the people around them because in reality, leaders need them more than those people need the leaders. Those people can go elsewhere. Mm. And, and Jay, that's great. And something I've learned from you in the last year is that we all have a natural style of communicating and you know our behavior with other people, and we have an adapted style. And whether we adapt or not to the people around us, and it sounds like let's say, use Kevin as an example, as a leader, or Elizabeth as an example of a member of a research team, if you're not willing to, what was the term you used? Radial intelligence. If you're not willing to to take into consideration and maybe soak in that radial intelligence of the people around you, then you're acting as an island rather than as a member of a, you know, of a, of a, group that's really working together, you know, on, on the same page, for instance. Yeah, you're acting as an island and you're also denying and keeping at distance the people around you. So you're, you're really putting up a fence around you and the people as opposed to bringing people around you who you respect and, and helping to grow that radial intelligence so that you see things from multi-perspective rather than from one perspective. Mm. And I've had many business leaders say to me that I decided to step back and let others step up. I trusted in their intelligence. I monitored it. I delegated it. I managed it. But I gave them more opportunity. And in response they stepped up. I didn't have to do as much as I thought I had to do. I freed up 30, 40% of my my time and I repurposed it into the things that I needed to do, whether they were more strategic or more tactical, but that I needed to do that I couldn't get done because I was doing everything in reality because I was sending a message through my biased thinking that 
I needed to take control because nobody else could. But then I wondered why in the heck nobody stopped stepping up. Now, wait a second, Jay. Did you have a private conversation with Kevin before this and he told you exactly how he goes about leading by by giving leadership power to other people? Well, yeah. didn't, does he keep you out? Does Kevin, do you keep him out of the loop all the time? He never knew about our conversation? <laughs> he doesn't talk to me anymore. Our relationship has... Yeah. Has I don't know where it's going, but I think our we, motivators are so different. We need some couples I, counseling. Does it not appear that that that, that Elizabeth Keith, can counsel us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly seems like we're expressing isolated leadership here. <laughs> now, Kevin, in all seriousness, that sounds like how you lead. I mean, you you've broken up your company into I don't know what you call them divisions or whatever, mm-hmm. and you've you've given leadership responsibilities to many different people for stuff that you don't have to pay attention to every moment of the day anymore. No, because I, you know, I always, I've been very open that, and, and those that are very close to me, especially, you know, you, Keith and Elizabeth, I mean, I carry a lot of bravado. So, and, and the confidence wasn't easy to come by, but it's not the same as also the ego as well. I mean, you know, I kind of throw that out the door to assume that I know all the answers because I'm the one who started the company and to assume that I know better or I know best, when someone else has their boots on the ground in a certain area, or we've evolved that, that, that department that I haven't had any experience in running in many years, I mean, who am I to say to come in to say, well, you know, this is how I used to do it, or, you know, maybe you need to be doing it this way. I allow people the, the opportunity to have, and again, I'm not afraid of the term failure, because it's always a moment that they learn Okay, well, I'm not going to do that again, or we can improve this area, or whatever that is. It's a, it's allowing those missteps because we all have them. That's a hu- that's human nature, uh, and that's how I learn. Can I, come I work learn. for you? <laughs> I get a lot of I get a lot of people, especially people who listen to the show. Like they like, hey, are you hiring? I can move to Colorado <laughs> if if you need me to. So right, but yeah, See, right there, right there is right there is is a hidden that is a hidden benefit that we just skipped over that when cultures and we have examples of many of the good ones you know look look at zappos there are so many others yeah zappos Uh, is a great one yeah look at ritz carlton there are so many that that when when we express radial intelligence when we bring out and inspire people to step up and take accountability and contribute and when we show them what the actual value to the organization is that they are making. The effect is we have a culture that is more attractive and we have to spend less time recruiting because we keep getting people who are interested and we turn people over less. So there's all kinds of actual cost benefit to understanding what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Jay, a lot of our listeners are nurses who work in hospitals, home health agencies, clinics, you name it. Probably most of them might work in a hospital. I'm making an assumption here, but many, many understand the hospital environment. So just to give our listeners who are clinicians a little bit of a takeaway, because we have about five or six minutes left. Um, 
If they work in an organization where they're not heard, where people don't ask them for their intelligence, where it's very top-down and hierarchical, and that probably describes the majority of places where many of our listeners work, sorry to say, what are one or two things those nurses could do short of quitting and finding another place to work? Is there anything they can do to try to develop or propagate different types of thinking. Let's say they're not leaders. So they're not nurse managers or executives who can just say, hey, we're going to start doing this tomorrow. Is there anything they can do a little like subversively to try to change the culture in terms of listening and cooperation and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think the first step globally, regardless, is, is to get personal out of the way. So look at it more objectively, look at it less personally, be more impersonal about it. And then if, if anybody wants to, they can, through you, email me, just put in, in the subject line, accountability compass. And they, oh. can cre- they can create an accountability compass, which looks at, in any given situation or issue, am I stepping up into more clarity and up into greater engagement, or am I stepping back? Am I stepping up with others to be able to better a situation or am I stepping back and aside with others to look more at what could I more accountably contribute and how could I contribute more effectively as opposed to subversively changing a culture? Because it's about the quality of our contribution because unless leaders or managers are really thick, the people who are contributing are going to be called on more and more and more. So I see. So you're saying if someone emails you and puts accountability compass in the email subject line, you're sending them a tool that they can use to mm-hmm. assess this form of accountability in their own workplace or in the yeah. way they contribute right. to their workplace? Right. There isn't, everyone is talking about a particular issue, regardless of what the issue is. I had three conversations about this this morning. Each one was different, but each one had a commonality, which is each person was looking at what the others weren't doing, taking a step back away from personal accountability and putting all the blame or all the cause or all the reason on other people or a situation. Reversing the process, pivoting the perception. Perception changed, changes behavior. Changed behavior, when more positive, affects better outcomes. So looking at what can I do, what can be done to make a better outcome, what can be done taking what I can do out of the picture, what can be done to create a better outcome? What's the contribution needed here to create a better out- outcome? Looking mm. at it in terms of, a, of a, a result and an improvement and not identifying so much with the I, me, you, they, us, them thing. Well, and I think from an accountability standpoint, Jay, I think that that's definitely a great way to, to approach it because you're, you are so right. And I think part of this is born, or probably a major part of it anyway, is born because a lot of these settings, whether healthcare or any setting, is that being accountable, especially if it's like a place where people feel like it's a punitive uh, issue, you know, so like, I'm not going to be supported if, if for some reason there is something going on. 
So I don't want to ask those questions or I don't want to admit that maybe I made a mistake or I could be contributing to some of the issue because, again, the environment may be more of a punitive place. So if you're actually coming from a place, and again, I always toss around the word failure because I don't think it's a word we need to be afraid of. I think well, unless you keep doing the same thing over and over again, then then we might have an issue. But it's it's about using this opportunity as, as a place to learn and a place to teach. So if I'm a leader, I love to teach. And so asking the questions and being accountable for those things, I mean, I think at least if you can take that self-assessment, then that'll at least get you off to the right foot to help steer the conversation, both your approach and maybe wherever you're working, the approach on how they respond to that. Because again, Absolutely. People, people have raised their hands and be like, all right, fine, you're done, get out of here. You know, We've got other people in line that could do this job. And I think there's a lot of that fear-based uh, mentality. So, there oh, is. And, yes. And the fear-based mentality destroys what we're talking about. And <clears throat> what you're talking about, Kevin, is eliminating that and actually managing the risk, but creating a culture of failing forward. And you go into any Apple store in any part of the country, and if their people are well-trained, ask somebody, can I speak to a manager, and watch what they say. If Mm -hmm. they're well-trained, they'll tell you, why do you need a manager? Let me help you. And they will solve it at the point of contact. The manager will only come in if it's elevated beyond their need. Those are people who are stepping up. When I ask somebody in an Apple store near me, why do you do that? And they said, because if the people we hire are the people we want and we don't do that, they'll go elsewhere and we'll have to spend all our time handling these problems. Right. Well, it's mm, interesting. And, yeah. Well, and speaking of point of contact, Jay, where can our folks find you? And you are going to, so you're going to be hanging with us at the NNBA. Really? We're going to be throwing down together. And, and at least we're going to be bowling together. We're going to be bowling. Okay. We're playing blackjack. We're okay. Bowling and then blackjack. I'm I'm yeah. more of a I'm more of a craps this man. This calendar's getting yeah. The calendar's getting quite busy. We've got oh, to go bowling. Tattoos. We've got the actual conference to tend to. We well, have tattoos. Oh, My goodness, I Keith had texted me there. Well, Keith had texted me about something like, "Hey, you know, you got to get a hotel room before they all run out or something." So I think you know I think that's all been taken care of now. But I was just thinking, like, I don't need a hotel room, like, because I'm not going to be, I'm not yeah, going to be laying no my, time. I don't have time to sleep. I got stuff. Well, to we're do. gonna we're gonna go to the Ferris wheel. We're gonna go bowling. Yeah, we're gonna you know take a gondola at the Venetian, and exactly. you know then we'll fit in the conference here and there. Right. 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 Oh yeah, you there is the conference. Jay last year. I mean, you know, we couldn't get him away from the craps table. I love craps. <laughs> just kidding, Jay. No, no, I do. All right. I do. All right. You might find you. You'll yeah. find me there. Anyway, Jay, so... But Las Vegas is a great metaphor for me to answer your question because um, here we are, we're going to be there, we're going to be doing all this. But if you really want to take risk and the gamble out of your success and you want to talk about it, let's have a conversation. You can find me, Jay, at jstevenlevin.com. You can look search for me on LinkedIn, jstevenlevin. You can search for me on Twitter, um, you can put my last name, Jay, first name, last name, jstevenlevin.comet, and give me a call. Send me an email. Let's have and a conversation. If they, 
Right. And if they want to get a copy of that accountability compass tool, they just have to email you j at jstevenlevin.com and put accountability compass in the subject line and maybe say something nice to him in the body of the email. But we'll have all of that in the show notes. You can find Jay. We'll have a nice photo of him. And we will be seeing Jay at the NMBA and posting photos to all of our social media platforms while we're there. So that NNBA 2016 hashtag is the place to follow the action, even maybe a little bit of craps or blackjack. (laughs) All right, Jay, we'll see you there. And yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I can't wait and just, well, by the time the listeners listen to the show, it's only going to be a couple, few weeks, less than a month or something like that. Right. So reserve, so reserve as soon as you hear this message, if you're not already attending the event. Indeed. That's right. NNBA now. And that'll get you there. And thank you so much. I, uh, it was, it was a kick. I enjoyed talking with all of you and, uh, great conversation, great sense of humor. Look forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. Thanks, Jay. Well, that was deep. What am I going to do with that one? Seriously, the capacity to adapt our behavior leads to more likelihood of success. That's what Jay was talking about today. Emotional intelligence. We have to move that needle there. We have to look at adapting those behaviors. And I know I'm saying like this, have to, but I think a lot of us do need to kind of have this evolution. You know, many of us may feel stuck. What are we going to do? Like, I've got this feeling that I need to do this thing next, or I want to do this thing next, or I feel stagnant. I feel stationary. I feel like nothing is moving forward. And what is that? I mean, is that your, you know, and then you just kind of get wrapped up in this behavior, like, well, it's not going to move forward. I'm just going to stay stagnant. I'm going to just stew in this mire of, wait, wait a minute, what am I doing here? Right. What are you doing here? What are you still doing here? You need to really kind of check in on that self-awareness. You need to check in on that emotional intelligence, you know, reading people. What do people think about you? And, and, and really looking at your behavior, taking that hard look. And we always say like looking in the mirror can be extremely difficult, but to move that needle forward to success it, it it is. It really comes down to adapting that behavior because we do. We just get stuck in that mentality and it's very, very easy to do. And especially when you're surrounded by people who may have very similar, like a very similar thought process. And I'm not saying like you need to leave them, but if you want that success, it's up to you to adapt that behavior. Anyway, I mean, Jay had a lot going on today and there is so much more. You'll be able to find out more about him and of course show notes at rnfmradio.com forward slash episode 220 now let's thank uh, our sponsors again can we do that just for a second i know we have mentioned american sentinel university they are a sponsor of rnfm radio here and we can't thank them enough like i said before in the pre-roll the classes are 100 percent online and i know that many of you out there are aware that many there there are a lot of schools out there that are doing this online however they are affordable this is these are just small bites of what you can do 8 weeks in length i mean classes are 8 weeks in length i mean 8 weeks boom we were just here yesterday and it was 8 weeks ago but it feels like yesterday they have programs msn programs that have specializations in case management infection prevention and control nursing education, nursing informatics, and nursing management, and organizational leadership. They also have a DNP. Hey, listen, if you're, if you're looking for that doctor of nursing practice, they also offer that as well. And 
I see these job postings a lot. Listen, I'm an employer. They are out there. I see these job postings and apparently they're not getting filled because there's, I don't know if there's enough nurses in these subspecialty areas, but all I know is that there, the, the employment opportunities seem plentiful these days. So if you're looking to advance your degree, head over to American Sentinel University by way of rnfmeducation.com and let them know we sent you over there. Thanks so much for sponsoring the show, American Sentinel University. Let's get out of here. Let's get on with our day, night, weekends, whenever you're listening to the show. And we, we can't thank you enough for listening to the show. I mean, it is very special to us that you are listening to the show. And like I said, we, we thank you for your time and attention. We're thanking you again. So by, by thanking you, we're going to get you out of here. Get out of the door. Go, go. Find that passion. Be intentional. Execute on those ideas. Rinse and repeat. Suds it up. And then rinse and repeat again. We'll see you back here with us again on our next episode of RNFM Radio. Radio.